You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everybody, listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And we're joined by Cool Waza. Cool Hi, everyone. Cool How are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you oh, doing? Oh, man. Very well, thanks. How are you guys doing? You're looking fantabulous. Thank you. Yeah, it's something I don't like to do too often. No, so. the formal look kind of... Nah, it looks... Uh, doing it. Now, isn't your wife even giving you extra kisses when you leave in the morning? I feel overdressed and I'm grumpy when I'm overdressed, so no. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I like the look. I like the look. I'm like some of us. Oh, well. You know, the nature of our employment is different. Yes. <laughs> So today we have a very, very interesting topic, which I'm so excited to dig into with you, Kulwaza. Mm. The issue of Bible translations. <laughs> Why do you sigh? It's a big topic, eh? It is quite Massive. a big one. Yeah. And I think one of the things we forget right off the bat is that all of us are reading a translation of a translation of the text, right? Because it originally the Bible is written in which language? Depends. To answer your question first, but then originally Bible written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. But no, it can't be all three. Uh, not all three. So portions of the Old Testament, Aramaic, so your Daniel and your Ezra, and then the rest of the Old Testament, Hebrew, mm-hmm. and then you've got the New Testament in Greek. Okay. Yeah. So then, and then from the Greek, then we translate to English. Yes, along the way, the Latin, then the English. Yeah. So, but then there's guys who've been. So now guys are able to do the thing straight, right? So from Hebrew straight to English because you've got your Hebrew and your Greek scholars. Mm. But yeah, a lot of the early uh, translations or translators were using the Septuagint. I don't know if I have pronounced that properly. That's how I say it. The 70. The 70, yeah, that's, mm. that means the 70. So mm. it's got your Roman numerals uh, 70. Uh, that's the symbol for that. So that was in Latin. It's called the Latin Vulgate uh, that was then translated. So the Septuagint was translated to the Latin thing and then the Latin is being translated to English here and there. And so. so because of that, when you're translating, <coughs> surely... Whenever there's a translation, there's an interpretation in that some things do not translate literally into another language. Yeah. So already what we get when we reach the English version is something that's been interpreted several times. Yeah. Well, translated. I want, if so, um, for the sake of, uh, I I just have my thing, you know, so it's... Semantics. Yeah, semantics. So translation is from one language to another. Uh, and interpretation is saying what is getting, what does the text mean? What's the text saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those, I just want to make that distinction. And, trans, and transliteration? Uh, transliteration is uh, not translation, it's literally <laughs> uh, putting words in someone's mouth almost. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Because what I know about transliteration is is when you take so let's say a word like um, a good example is a word like apologetics. Mm -hmm. It's it doesn't exist in the English language in that form. So because it's a Greek word mm -hmm. apologia, mm -hmm. then it was just taken as is, mm -hmm. and then given the and then taken yeah then given the English meaning without really translating it translating or given an English word an okay, English yeah, equivalent yeah. for it yeah. Like Firij. Like Firij. Against. Midist. Okay, I know. Midist. That's not a good idea. So that's, I think, what I was saying colloquially, like putting words in someone's mouth. Oh, right, right, got it. From a linguistic point of view. Yeah. But that applies mainly to language and not really to what I think the Bible necessarily. So you're talking about maybe you have words in French. That's like rendezvous, for example. Uh -huh. Right? That's not English, is it? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the all the rules of English language will not support uh, uh, pronouncing it that way. Mm. <laughs> Remember so that's, that's just that's grabbing it from the French. Everyone's thinking of it now. We're yeah. all thinking of it now. <laughs> Sorry, that's the first thing. I can't Shout out to you, Craig Davis. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Craig Davis, man. How old are we? <laughs> you can remember what you're saying, rendezvous. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so me, for example, rendezvous, right? It's, there's no English word for that. Yeah. You're just saying it straight from the French, and you use it like it's an English word. Mm. So that's your transliteration. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Got it. No, thanks. Thanks for that. Just thought I, yeah. So would the word Messiah fall under that? Um, I would say no, because Messiah is not an English word. It's yeah, a word that's that my just, point. But it's not in the English language, is it? So it's, yeah, so it was taken from the Greek, right? And we just no. used it as it was. But that would mean that there's a Greek word that is Messiah. I don't know. That's why I'm asking the I'm question. I'm trying to understand the basis of your question. Could, isn't it? We're, it's not an English word, mm. but we're using it from whatever language it is from. No, but a, a, trans, a transliteration would mean that there was a word in Greek that for, for Messiah that would be like something, uh -huh. and then we then take that word and sort of superimpose yeah. it onto the because there's no other English. way. Yeah, but you can you know Messiah Savior, so that's yeah. an English word for that. Oh, okay, that, that would be slightly different. I've got a question. So Yahweh then. Yahweh. Yes, the name yeah. of God, but uh, you've got the word, you've got the name God. But it's not in English, like there's no English, like isn't that Hebrew? Yes, um, yes, it is, it's Hebrew. Are we still on the transliteration? Yeah, well, you brought it up, fam. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving along. No, I was just genuinely asking. <laughs> okay, I wanna, what I want to know, <clears throat> as we have this discussion, right, that maybe if we can talk about how the Bible came to be in terms of how did we move from having the original, well, I guess the scrolls and all the different materials that the Bible was, the different letters and things were written on, mm -hmm. um, and how did we come to the place where we now have the Bible in its current form? I believe the first translation was the King James Version. 
well, that's why I said this is quite a big topic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, know? I mean, the first properly <clears throat> printed. No, wasn't it some guy Tyndale? Tyndale? Tyndale, Didn't yes. Didn't he do something before the King James? Yes, he did. Okay, so that's so. about 1539 or so. Cool, so let's talk about that a little bit. Because I'm pretty sure there are many people. It was the New Testament, so not the full. Oh. So, for the benefit of our listeners, I'm pretty sure there are people today who wonder. That, okay, so how did we come to the place today where we have the Bible? And further to that, how do we now have so many translations of the Bible? So maybe if we're going to start, start by discussing the first point, which is, how did the Bible come to be? Because I think that will help us um, as, we, as we get into this discussion. Long process. Uh, um, I can't give you all the detail in about five to ten minutes. I'll just give you a condensed version, but um, yeah, the Bible began as a whole family of uh, writings, right, by different people uh, over many years. So it began as uh, people recording stories, right, um, as they were handed down over time, and <clears throat> also recording revelation that people received. Yeah. Uh, so the prophets would receive something. So you see. Uh, Jeremiah had his sidekick called uh, Barak, and he would be the scribe who would write down all the words that Jeremiah said. So that's how generally you know, people got revelation and wrote it down. And then over time, because at the time that the Bible or the words of God were given, the technology around writing and all that had not developed to what it is today. So you had people who then passed down these manuscripts and copied them over time. You had people who gave eyewitness accounts where you see Luke saying, I've put everything that happened in the time of Jesus in an orderly account for you, Theophilus. You know? So you've got people who've written something in order. <clears throat> and over time, as these were written in the languages, original languages, the Greek we spoke about, the Hebrew and Aramaic, over time, people wanted to understand the Bible say okay what does okay I see the Greek but I, I don't speak Greek so can we understand it can someone translate it for us and so guys got those manuscripts which were far flung all over the place first of all it was the what these Jews called the Masoretes uh, who were responsible for giving us the Masoretic texts and uh, to cut a very long story short there was a way in which they had they would um, ascertain whether certain texts were faithful. So they would compare text against text, look for certain things like inaccuracies and in terms of uh, chronological events that took place and all sorts of things that they look at to make sure that what, they're, what they are actually recording <clears throat> you know, is cogent and you know, makes sense. And they did that. And then over time, you've got the Roman Catholic Church that came up and you've got guys who translated those writings into what we call the Latin Vulgate. Right. And from there you've had, within the English guys came in and said, we also want to translate this as we also want to send the word of God out. So you had your Tyndales come in. Uh, and then there was a, a process of curating over time what is supposed to go into what is called the canon of scripture, which yeah. is Genesis to Revelation. There's a ton of books that have been tossed out. You might have heard about certain books like the Book of Enoch. Yeah. The certain books that are mentioned in the Bible. Like the book of Enoch. Not mentioned, but referred to. Yeah, referred yeah. to. Mm -hmm. And even mentioned. Yeah. So there's one book, it's just, it's just slipped my mind, the name of the book. But it says, are not these uh, events recorded in the book of, what's the book? Jasher. Jasher, exactly, that one. Yeah. So it's got also, there's a book of Jasher online. 
be careful with that because all sorts of people have written all sorts of rubbish. But there's a book of Jasher and you see it there and it's not there in the Bible. <clears throat> Sorry. So the canon has certain books missing, if you yeah. like. Uh, certain books were not included because they had they were failed on certain uh, criteria, so chronologically, certain events that were recorded that are not uh, in the thousands of manuscripts of similar events recorded. You know, so quite a few of those issues, uh, and therefore those books have been excluded. And part of those are the uh, what we call the uh, deuterocanonical books. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's your books that you find only in the Catholic Bibles, right? The, the Maccabees 1 and 2, yes, those kinds of books, which most of those with an evangelical leaning will say there are all sorts of issues and errors with those, the stories don't quite add up and things like that. But theologians also make reference to those. Uh, so it's like, okay, we can use it as a secondary source of information, Guys who were there during that, those times, uh, like the Maccabees, they, uh, it captures the time when there's this was Antiochus, if I'm not mistaken, the guy who came into the temple, put a pig's head there, and all sorts of things happened. So, some of the things that you see then <clears throat> described in Daniel, the book of Daniel, mm -hmm. Jesus talking about the abomination that causes desolation. You read the Maccabees, you see quite a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's 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 good as an external source. They don't believe it's inspired because it doesn't, you know, reach the standard of all the other books in the canon of scripture. So the question then is, and thanks for bringing that um, much-needed background. Does, does that then mean that? Because um, somebody could ask and say, doesn't that jeopardize the reliability of scripture? How do we know that? the books that were chosen were supposed to be the books. Wasn't there some sort of a collusion? Corruption. You know what I'm saying? People are like, no, let's, let's choose these books because they are the ones that we want. That, that sort we of want, thing. yeah. Or yeah. like an agenda behind Yes. Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. And I think those that have issues with the Bible, you know, uh, and how can you use, how can you say the Bible is the inspired word of God? Is because of those issues, to say certain books were left out and um, issues to do with... Uh, what they feel could be uh, contradictions, right? So, one you read in, in Mark, there's the man with the issue of demons. You read it in, in Matthew, I think, I don't know which one is which. If I forget which one has got the one, the other one has got two men who are demon possessed. Mm -hmm. yeah. The one has got a one blind guy, Bartimaeus, <clears throat> the other one has got two blind people. And so you're like, what's going on here, guys? Yeah. Same story, same Jericho. How come we got two? You got one there. So, those kinds of uh, discrepancies, if you want to call them that, have been the reason why people say, how can we talk about the Word of God being the Word of God with no issues when you got these problems. But when you look at um, the Bible as a collection of records and you compare it to other collections of records and other writings, mm -hmm. given the, just the vast number of manuscripts, how many manuscripts are there? Are there the thousands, yeah, thousands of them. Yeah. Out of all of those, and the way that they dovetail, there's no other uh, record that has been put together that has got that many, or even nearly that many, uh, that, that great a number of manuscripts that has got that consistency across the board. Mm. So there is that, and then also corroboration, <coughs> sorry, of some of the historical events 
by contemporary historians like Josephus, mm -hmm. who talk about what happened to Jesus as a man who arose, who had this, you know, awe about him, and they, you know, they believed he was going to be a king, and he, was, he died by crucifixion. So there's guys who talked about Jesus who are not Christians or not writing the Bible, just recording history as a historical figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you've got that. You've also got. Uh, to the extent that people believe these things, some may you know contend again. There's always contention, and you can have uh, that. There are certain events that are recorded in the Bible that have actually taken place. So yeah. the destruction of the temple yeah. that Jesus uh, prophesied and is recorded in the Gospels happened in AD 70. So you know you've got that as well. In terms of books which are not supposed to be in, who who decided? If you look at the way that Genesis to Revelation works out, it basically from a meta-narrative point of view, which is a big story. Mm -hmm. You've got all the big ticket issues. Where did creation come from? Uh, why are we here? How does this end? You know, And all the other books or all the other things that could have been in the canon do not necessarily add to that story or detract from it. So, for example, the story of the Maccabees. If you say, oh, why have you left it out? You, you, you need to put it back in. You put it in, you put it out. The message of the Bible is not changed mm. by including or excluding that particular book. So, yes, you could say that certain other books could have been added, right? Some could have been put in the canon. Some, you just, like James, I know that uh, if you know the story of uh, Luther, he had a problem with James because... James seemed to contradict the gospel of grace, right? Where he spoke about, you're not saved by faith alone, but by works as well. Mm -hmm. So Luther had a very big problem with that, and he wanted to chuck it out of his translation, out of the canon, saying, no, no, this must be wrong. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was maintained there, because when you understand it in the context, right, that what he's, the works he's talking about are the evidence of faith and not... Uh, what okay. actually gets you into heaven yeah. because you worked, you know? Yeah. So, there's, yeah, it's, it's, I would say, on the balance of all that has been collected over time, what's been left out, nothing that you add or then say, if you leave it out, yeah. <clears throat> you're not going to have a different story of, like, for example, no, Jesus actually was a woman, right? right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't a man. It was a woman. There's this revelation. There's this other <laughs> book they're suppressing, you know. So, so the meta narrative remains. It remains the same. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, no, I think people who clicked, well, depending on the title the producer gives this episode, they are probably tuning in to hear, okay, I read New King James. I mm -hmm. read NIV. I read NLT. So, like, people always ask, like, which is the best? translation but i think they all have maybe they have different merits to them yeah. depending on the methodology used or the the objective when the different translation was done yeah so it's, i know it's hard to say which translation is best because mm -hmm. people are looking for different things some are looking for readability some are looking for accuracy like i want to know that it was translated word for word correctly yeah so i know there's different Methods. So either you can do word for word, or you can do like more like phrase for phrase or thought for thought kind yeah. of translations. Yeah. So which translations fit into which categories? Okay. So that's there's a lot of translations out there. So I mean, okay, <laughs> the major, yeah, major ones yeah. that we know of <clears throat> in Zim, I guess. Yeah. So so your word for word or your literal translations or what they call the um, 
what's the word for it? It's just slipped my mind. The literal equivalent, I think that's what they call it, is the one that tries to capture as faithfully as possible the actual words that were used in the original language. Mm. <clears throat> so yeah, that's your KJV. Uh, you have your ESV, English Standard Version, your uh, new Revised Standard Version as well. There's what is called the Literal Standard Version. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the NASB as well, the New American Standard yeah. uh, Bible. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, um, that's one of those that uh, tries to go word for word. Mm -hmm. And what are the, the pros and cons of doing the word for word method? Okay, so I'll say the pros of the word for word is, I mean, see, it's difficult to say because the Bible has got different kinds of writing. Mm -hmm. So there's kinds of writing that lend themselves to the literal, right? Yeah. Like the, genre, so, the different genres. Yeah, the genres, yeah. the different genres. So you've got your commandments, right? Thou shalt not is thou shalt not. Yeah. It's not nothing dynamic or <laughs> literal about that. So if it's a literal ones will, will, will lend themselves to... I think there are certain passages that if you read the dynamic, you miss the the accuracy of what was actually said. Mm -hmm. So it 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 is good for that. And if if also for if you're doing exegesis, if you're a teacher of the Word of God, that's a better translation to use. Mm -hmm. uh, as uh, sorry, Kwasi, just yeah. to interject there yeah, for yeah. the sake of our <clears throat> listeners, I want just to define a couple of terms as we go. Yeah. So terms like exegesis. Okay. Know. Sorry, exegesis yeah. is when you are. Extracting truth from a text of scripture. Yeah, so that's what a lot of preachers try to do that when they are Getting the truth or the revelation that they're going to share with you. That's the process. It's called exegesis As opposed to eisegesis. Eisegesis is a word where you are reading stuff into the text So you infer things you read something. Okay, so Jesus was going um, You know to the seashore oh, and that must mean because he wanted to take a break Right. But it doesn't say so, right? Mm -hmm. It's just you're inferring. So that's how you see Jesus. And mm -hmm. it's so easy to do that, to read things into the text and just, you know, make up our minds about what we think is going yeah. on. So I, I just thought it would be important for us to, to yeah. define. Okay, so if you are, if, if, if someone's a preacher, you know, you want to share the word, if you're not even a preacher, you just want to share like a message, I would say word for word is the best because it gives you the, the exact, the literal meaning of what the words were saying but then it comes unstuck with certain turns of phrase that people are not maybe your contemporary hearer or reader is not familiar with mm -hmm. so here's an example you read the um esv psalm 22 verse 9 it says the one who has a bountiful eye or the one who has a good eye mm -hmm. will be blessed right so you're thinking, having a good eye. <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> right? If you have a good eye, then you'll be blessed. But I thought a good eye comes from God. But then when you go back to understand what a good eye meant, it's an idiom in, uh, in the Hebrew context, mm -hmm. which means to be generous. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it, if you look at what Jesus then teaches about um, money, right? When he says... Uh, you cannot serve both God and mammon. He seems to digress. He seems to be going off track. So let's talk about if you have a good eye, you know, and then your, your eye, your body will be full of light. Mm. Yeah. And if the, your, your eye is bad, then even the darkness, you know, the light that needs darkness and so on and so forth. Yeah. They're like, but we're talking about mammon and, 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 about and serving God. <laughs> we're talking about money. We're talking about eyes. Mm. But if you understand that background, right, that context to say in the Hebrew culture, 
they would have understood a good eye and a bad eye to mean being generous and being stingy. Mm-hmm. I mean, bad eye, you're stingy. If you have a good eye, you are generous. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's still talking about money. Yeah. But without that background, there's no way you could understand what Jesus... You just feel like Jesus is just throwing something in the middle there, just like a parenthetical type of thing that he's dealing with, and then he's moved on back to, <clears throat> you yeah. must serve God in money, you know. So yeah. uh, when you have a literal translation, they'll give you those, just as it is. Mm-hmm. But without that background and understanding, then, you know, you're, 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 you're stuck. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's that's one. So uh, they tell uh, you <clears throat> what the text says, denotes, yes. not what it connotes. Oh, not what it connotes. Yeah. Okay. Beware. Wow. Beware. Oh. <laughs> T-Mac. T-Mac. <laughs> From downtown, <Beware>. yo. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> It denotes and connotes, exactly. So, you know, I, I like to use a Sean. I know not everyone on our podcast, you know, can understand Sean, but for the sake of those that can, you know, like, there's a Sean idiom that goes, you know, aniruoko, right? Mm. And, you know, when you want to, if you're going to do a translation, literal. literal translation will be, he's got a hand. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, what? So, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, like no 99.9% of the world. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's so, you know, yeah. exciting about that? Mm. But a dynamic translation will tell you, that means he's a thief. <laughs> yeah. Right? So that's what that's the difference between the literal and the dynamic. The mm-hmm. dynamic are not coming to the um, thought for thought, is to say what did the writer intend? intend. Yeah. What was the message that they're trying to put across? Mm-hmm. And it's so important, you know, because again, if you use the story of the of the woman at the well, right? She gets there twelve noon. Okay, maybe I've gone ahead of myself here talking about the woman at the well. But anyway, we could always bring her back, right? At some point, if I have gone ahead of myself. But she comes to that place and they start talking about water, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't have anything to, you know, to, to extract this water. What are you going to do? You're going to die of thirst. Can you give me water? I don't know. How, this well was given to us by anyone that's talking about a well, mm-hmm. right? And then Jesus starts talking about husbands. Gives a word of knowledge about husbands. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you, again, if, if it's just, it's a literal and again, even in, in the dynamic, that's what you have to talk about. But understanding now the thought behind, if you understand the culture, to say that <clears throat> water was a euphemism for sex, right? So you read in Proverbs chapter 5, the young man is being um, advised not to Drink. let his water go uh-huh. all out into whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, just have Drink share your water with your wife. You, yeah. Exactly. So that's talking about sex and whatever, and intimacy like that. And so what Jesus was basically now pointing to is that this this intimacy that you're looking for, all this that you're looking for through sex, you are looking for, and I'm the one who has that water to give you that wells up unto eternal life. So he is saying all that you're, you know, and so you're not going to get that simply just reading it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, they're talking about water. Then he just says, I'm the water. I, you know, I'll give you water. If you knew who he was talking to, you, you'd ask and I'll give you water and you could drink forever, right? Mm-hmm. Spiritual things. So that's, what's, that's so important to understand the culture and the good thing about the dynamic tra- equivalence or the thought for thought is that then they give you that understanding. Mm-hmm. So they'll have stuff either in the main text or they'll put it in the footnotes. I've, I've seen some translations mm-hmm. do yeah. that to say this means that or this is what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's very useful in that regard. <clears throat> However, on the downside, they're not as good 
when you want to look at some exegesis and there are some verses in that you find if you're sharing and you want to give your hearers the the best understanding of what was being said the dynamic equivalent lets you down mm-hmm. because it waters down something that should actually like I'll give an example where uh, Jesus in the Greek when he was walking on the water an even better one an even better one is when Jesus was in the in the garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. right in John chapter 18 and um, the soldiers came right and they said um, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth so in John 18 I think in John it's not like he goes you know Judas doesn't go and kiss him whatever they actually say we want where is Jesus of Nazareth and then he says, according to the dynamic translation, it says, it is I. Mm-hmm. Right? But if you look at the Greek, what he actually said was, I am. Right? Yeah. And then the next verse says, they all fell to the ground. Oh, yeah, everyone fell to the ground. Mm. And you think, by just simply saying it is I, people fall, how? It is I. And then, <laughs> it's like so dramatic. But the declaration that you have, you are looking. I, I am. I am. I'm God. This is like Exodus three fourteen thing yeah. happening. Yeah. Go and tell them I am sent you. Mm-hmm. It blows this thing out of the water yeah. completely. But you miss it if you have the if you read it from the NIV completely. Okay. Uh, as, as an example, mm-hmm. yeah. the NLT you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. But the ESV will will have it is I. But then will tell you because no. The Greek means the Greek you are saying I am, yeah, and then that that changes that completely. The way you see it, the way you understand it, what's going on there, the revelation of it, changes yeah. it. So and there's quite a few verses like that. Okay. So Kwaza, as you're saying this, um, so are we then saying it is advisable for one to have multiple translations of the Bible that they read? One hundred percent. Okay, I thought you were shaking your head like no, 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 no. <laughs> because. I'm just like, yeah, that, that's it. So maybe yeah. I, I, I did express it. Because what, what I've observed, even in my own journey um, of biblical scholarship, is that there's so much that we... One of my lecturers always, always, always used to say that the three rules for interpreting scripture are context, context, context. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That you have to get the context. But that word context is so multi-layered because... When you think from a con- context viewpoint, you have to think about idioms, you have to think about the culture, you have to think about all the background issues that are there, that what sort of world was Jesus living in, what sort of yeah. world were they all living in. Even with things like uh, the different Gospels, the four Gospels and the uh, different people who wrote them, we often think that they were all sitting in a room like we're doing right now and Mark yeah. was like, okay, so you know, I'm going to come from this angle, you're going you're gonna to attack it from that angle. Yeah, you're going to put two people So often, you know, well, yeah, the, the chosen is interesting, but we're not getting into, into that right now. But when you really think about the fact that these guys were in totally different locations, they had no contact with each other, and they had no electronic um, communication and yet their story corroborates it comes together i think when, when you start having that understanding it gives a whole new meaning to uh, just the historical evidence of the bible and to the weight that it has because it, it would take a lot for different people to just make up these stories mm-hmm. anyway i just wanted to add that to 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 what you're saying which leads to my uh, next question right which is that okay so we kind of 
fast forwarded a bit because uh, Tima asked about the different translations. But maybe let's talk a bit about how did we actually come to a point where we have all these translations. Yeah. I just okay. think we have way too many now. But anyway, how, how have we come to this place where, you know, initially it was this one translation, then now that, and then today, I don't know even, I don't even know how many translations we have. Maybe if you can just speak to that. Yeah, so yeah. Um, if you look at the first translation, this coincided with the... Um, the coming into play of the printing press, the invention of the printing press, right? So you could now all of a sudden churn out all these, you know, Bibles and people could have them in their hand and read them. Uh, so that was information technology then. And if you look at informa information technology now, you could have very easily a Greek version on your laptop or on your phone. The actual Greek version. Yeah. as the Masoretic text and stuff like that. So what you're seeing now is the, let me use this word, democratization, I say, of the uh, interpretation and translation process. Where before, remember, it was just the priests, the season where it's just the priests. After the Latin Vulgate came into being, only the priests can read it, and then they interpret it for the, for the people. Luther smashed that, you know, with the 95 Theses and everything after that. The, the, the Great Reformation, let's put, this, let, let's put the Bible in people's hands. Mm. So that's basically where that started. And now over time, because people have got access to it, people have, got, uh, have been schooled in the Greek and in the Hebrew, they will say, I think I can translate it in, you know, in this way. Or because of the need of the times that people live in, Realizing that the KJV, the V, Thou, Though, so many people don't understand that, right? Yeah. So let's put it in language that people actually understand. Right. Then someone else will come in and say, maybe, uh, well, um, let's 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 put it even in even simpler language because the people that are reading are not as even as we're, we're, we're giving them the KJV, we're taking the KJV, we made it the ESV, but the ESV is quite technical. Right, so let's let's give them something that they can understand, something that they can paraphrase and you know put in everyday language, the way people talk every day. So you have the uh, the Message Bible. There was the Ragamuffin Bible, something like that. Ragamuffin well. Bible. Yes, yes. <laughs> that uses uh, Jamaican language. Yeah, yeah, patois. So yeah, exactly. So that's so those translations have come about because of enablement from the. You know, advances in information technology uh, and the widespread knowledge of languages and ability to study those languages. So you can pretty much come up with your own translation. And there's uh, also like the a certain bent that different denominations will have um, exactly. that they want to yes. come through yes. as well. Yes. So Worst example being that the... what. New the world living world new new world translation new world, may we? by the Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> but those guys that, that's not even translation they they, they took out um, what's so it the again? word what's new it world translation new world translation yeah. so they took out uh, the word or the name curios Lord they replaced it with uh, Jehovah because they've got this thing about I was going to use a different word which I think may not be appropriate yeah. But uh, they got this thing with the Jehovah, because they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. So everywhere they want to put Jehovah. And Jehovah uh, is like their way of the, the, the tetragrammaton. I think I said that correctly. Uh, the Yahweh with no, with no vowels and stuff. Uh, 
that's the one that you could think, okay, Jehovah, great. But the Lord should, you know, small, small, so there's, if you read your general translation, big Lord in caps, mm -hmm. that's your Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And the Lord with small, you know, with uh, capital and, uh, you know, okay. normal case, yeah. that's uh, Kyrios or the Lord Adonai. In yeah. Hebrew, uh -huh. curious in Greek, yeah. so they have changed that and put what's supposed to be just for Yahweh, and Jehovah, throughout. Okay. And then they have also made um, John one verse one uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Yeah. So they put that as the Word was a God, or small G. Small G. Because they don't believe that Jesus is is okay, divine. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm saying I don't oh, think I, I don't think that. So I would call that. No, but from what I'm told, in, in sections that don't go against their theology, it is like a word for word to the point yeah. where it's hard to read because the way they did it is literally word for word. Oh, yeah, and, and then but when you start getting to Jesus, that's when they start remaking. It's ridiculous things. because if you go to uh, Hebrews chapter one verse eight, where uh, he's quoting the Psalms, and he says. My my God said to my God, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's being used of Jesus, mm -hmm. right? So they didn't tamper with that. But the John 1 verse 1, because it's, it's so like direct, yeah. they messed around with that. So yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. What they've done. When anyway. I was young, I remember we had neighbors who lived about two houses away from us, even though Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. So I used to play with the sun. So I always thought it was Jehovah Sweetness. <laughs> Like I remember, there was a time when I when I I remember when I used to read the Amplified mm -hmm. a lot. I really and I still really love it. I just mm -hmm. think I love the way that it it, it ex expands on things and it gives just a more um, descriptive thing to verses. I, I like that. Then the message of <laughs> the message of course is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. uh, what what are the what are some of the dangers I guess with Bible with like versions like the Message Bible. Okay, so those are called uh, the paraphrase type of translation. So you've got your um, literal translation, you've got your dynamic equivalent, and then these are in a, yeah, paraphrasitic. Yeah, exactly. Wait, T Mac. is on a roll. It's burning, yo. It's the sweetness. Not T Mac. Not doing that again. Stop. Yeah, so those, they yeah, paraphrase, right? That's, it's a whole class on its own. So you've got your TPT, the Passion Translation. You've got your Message Translation. There's an NLT also in that case. NLT is a dynamic equivalent. Okay. a dynamic equivalent. Um, paraphrase. Would, you, would you place the TPT and the Message in the same category, though? Yeah, yeah. Because I heard, I was listening to Mike Wenger. I don't know if you know Mike Wenger. No. Uh, brilliant guy. Um, I just love him. He's such a brilliant 
like very balanced. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, I, I had been watching the certain guys that I follow, and almost every scholar, every major scholar, was just like rubbishing the TBT. They just like stay away from that thing. So I was wondering why, because I read some of them. I was like, oh, well, okay, maybe I guess the guy's just trying to remix some things. Until I heard the story from Mike Winger about what happened, how the guy, what's his face? I was just Googling him just now on your phone. Yeah. Okay. The guy who came up with <coughs> that translation, mm -hmm. if you read his story, something about how he had a vision or a dream where Jesus expanded his mind and then started giving, started giving him basically words and Hebrew words Simmons that 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 cat Brian Simmons. started giving him words that were not even in the original that that had not been revealed to other people before mm -hmm. that he was given in this dream and then that's some of what he then used because they wanted you wanted to have more more I guess a version that is more in touch with feelings and emotions, whatever, whatever, whatever. But <clears throat> no body of scholars behind it, none of that stuff, you know. And so, of course, this is why most of your mainstream scholars have just been like, ah, that Adam is, that Adam is shady. So for me now, this is the thing, because th those are the similar stories to stories like the Book of Mormon, right? Or yeah. even other cults where somebody can just... <clears throat> Where somebody can just be like, you know, like God, God spoke to me. me the if God gave vision. me the vision, the real, the real thing. version of what so, so the problem I have with people that, that, that say that, mm -hmm. they are yet to show or they're yet to illustrate from the TPT, right? Mm -hmm. Where exactly, for example, they'll say, does not Judas who betrayed Jesus. This guy got a revelation. It was actually Simon the Zealot. Right? Something like that. Okay, where, where he takes away from the main elements of the story. Yeah, show me. And then I will, I will be happy to say, okay, this is wonky. But if, if he's, all he's doing is, is re, regurgitating. So you can talk about the vision he had, whatever, you know. And personally, because of the caliber of the people that are coming out against him, uh, and this is a personal take. Mm -hmm. Because theologians tend to fall into the pitfall of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, unfortunately. I think knowledge puffs up, and there's a, you know, we are the custodians of all knowledge. Mm -hmm. right. So, for me, as long as he's not changed the narrative, is the TPT telling us in the Old Testament that Jesus is coming? Is the TPT in the Gospels telling us that Jesus has arrived? And is the TPT telling us in the New Testament, the rest of it, that Jesus is on his way? That's what I want to know. If he's not telling us that, if he's playing with the message, he's on his way, but he's going to pass on and, uh, you know, he's going to give Satan uh, this crown and then he's going to fight with Satan. It's going to be this big, epic battle, stuff like that. Please show me that. No one has. People have a problem with the words that were used, with the vision that he had, the fact that he was the only one who did that, which is okay. Is that not bad, though? Valid, but then you have to discount a lot of translations. Yeah, because so, he was even saying that a yeah. lot of translations include some paraphrase anyway. Yeah, and also <coughs> the fact that there are a lot of translations that have been done primarily by one person. Mm. Right now, there are theologians who translate the Greek. The late uh, Michael Eaton mm -hmm. would read his Bible in the Greek and in English. Mm -hmm. And he could translate certain, certain verses himself yeah okay. right so um the fact that it's happening and he's done it himself and it's not had a 
bored of people doing it. For me, yes, you could then, I wouldn't then say why I put it in the paraphrase category is because I'm saying it's not like supposed to be your primary text in reading. That's something that's supposed to give you maybe a sense or an idea of what those words would mean in contemporary language. Okay, <clears throat> fair enough. But the challenge, again, that I think we, the, the risk that we potentially run into is a lot of people have the one translation that is their be-all, end-all. Mm -hmm. So if they're reading that paraf paraphrased version of the Bible and that's their go-to. So I've actually, I read a couple of verses from the Passion and I thought, hmm, okay, I mean, I've got the message already, so why do I need this, right? Mm -hmm. This is kind of like... Mm -hmm. Then I think when I heard about the story <coughs> of how this came to him, I don't know, something in my head just goes, ah, 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 ah. No, that's fine. You and, know what I'm saying? And again, yeah. So, so, so that's what I'm saying, that if, if the target is, hey, let's do a version that is more... Uh, dialed down for the sake of the person who doesn't want to, who's not able to process the more I guess the heavier translations, let's do this for them but then if this is going to become their core text, mm. don't they run the risk of losing some of the core elements of the Bible, yes there's the meta narrative, the main story of course but embedded within that main story are many other important things that could just get lost so my answer to that is, um, this is why we're having this podcast, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And we want to encourage people to have an, an understanding of these different kinds of translation and to, to understand what each translation is trying to do and um, what, if you have an objective, what, you're trying, what you need to, to be reading if you want to meet that objective. Yeah. You want to be a serious student of the word, have... The literal, a, literal, a good literal translation have a good dynamic equivalent, and if you just want to have a look at, you know, because that one is good for when you're communicating sometimes truth to people who, in this age, in certain parts of the world, a lot of young people don't want to be part of the church anymore, and part of it is because they don't feel like the Bible speaks to their values, it doesn't speak in language that they understand, right? Right, so. Um, if people, if the Passion Translation can bridge that gap, I'm not saying it, it, it can, but I'm just I saying, you. you know, you. you're thinking we need to think as holistically and globally as possible. A lot of the time, some of these arguments are made by people of a certain inclination, right? Theologically sound, you've read all these books, and that's great. And, you know... People like myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's who do apologetics. But then... Uh, the 18-year-old, you know, is told Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and is said in a way that touches their soul or touches them there, you know, in their in their heart. That's good. That's valid. You know, um, that 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 reaches them. So that's why I'm saying, let the high water mark be. Has the original message been tampered with? Right. That's what we're looking for. And so far, I've not seen anyone say that it does that. But I do accept the issues. I do accept that if you have that as your only translation, that's all you're reading, um, your growth as a Christian could be compromised, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Because the paraphrase is great uh, in getting the understanding of, uh, you know, just understand what Jesus was saying or what God was saying or what this apostle is saying. But if you're going to become a student of the word, as we are all called to be, not just the theologians and the pastors and the guys who love the apologetics, all of us need to be students of the word. Yeah. 
you know, um, because the word has been given for everybody. This is true. Yeah. So then consider having different kinds of translations. So One last question for me. <clears throat> Well-rounded. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's very good. You've actually given me something to think about because we yeah. do tend to fall into, like you said, we all have our, we're all skewed, well, our skews and the way that we think. So we tend to uh, want to swing the pendulum to certain yeah. sides, right? Yeah. Um, are there any versions that, feel free to not answer this if you don't want to, <laughs> but are there any versions that you would say people should totally stay away from? That's number one. Yeah. Number two is, if w- what would you recommend in terms of versions that um, somebody get? Let's say if somebody were to get two or three versions that you're like, you know what, go for these. These will give you a well balanced, um, a well balanced diet in terms of your reading, your, your Bible reading. That's uh, that's a difficult one because uh, I think answer to question one, there's the one that I can say if you see it stay away from it and that's a new world translation just don't even touch it with a barge ball that's the one um i don't have any other ones in my on, on, in my head there's the one that's called the purified the purified something bible that replaces wine with grape juice because it <laughs> follows a doctrinal position yeah to say could uh, jesus send water into grape juice yeah because they, they don't believe that people should drink alcohol Oh, okay. As a doctrinal position. So why does the why so does they've changed? Then say do not get drunk. Why does it say do not get drunk on grape juice? Yeah, no, but <laughs> no, for that it's all good. Obviously, yeah. right? they will pick and choose where they'll they say ah, wine. Wine is a brawler, right? Wine is a this, and wine is wherever wine is bad. Let, let, let it be wine. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus turned it's grape juice, so they actually changed that. So <laughs> I would say stay away from that one as well. Thank you, bud. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of translations, that keeps changing for me personally. <laughs> uh, but I would um, I would recommend the ESV is very good for uh, for a literal translation. Um, if you can stomach it for the literal translations, you can have the KJV. I'm not a fan personally. I only use it as a reference to see if there's some shade of meaning that it gives or a way that it expresses something that is better for sharing truth. But I generally don't personally use it. So uh, ESV is very good. Uh, KJV, if you can stomach it. NKJV, um, another good literal translation. Um, And on the dynamic equivalent side, NIV is, 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 is a mainstay. I've heard so many conspiracy theories about NIV. Yeah, some people call it the nearly inspired version. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah, but... Uh, haven't, haven't they been that's, different it's rough. Yeah, versions of yeah, the NIV yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah. Different editions. Yeah, like so you have to be careful. There's some that are trying to be gender neutral. I want, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, so yeah. finish your answer. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, I would say, yeah, the older is better. You know, the more recent translations... Uh, so many times they're trying to meet uh, people halfway, people complaining. You know, for example, people have had a uh, tough relationship with their fathers. Why talk about Father God? You know, why not just talk about God or God can be a mother and things like that? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say, particularly with the NIV, the later versions of the NIV, be careful with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the earlier versions of the NIV, yes. Uh, the NLT is good. I don't like it 
too much myself because I feel it waters things down quite a bit. But it's a readable, uh, dynamic equivalent. Like a good entry yeah. kind of. It's just good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and one that's in the middle is the HCSB. So Holman's, so it's Holman's Christian Study Bible. Yeah. That was a good middle road. I thought it stood for hardcore Southern Baptist. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm joking. No ways. <laughs> <laughs> but as in it was written with a Baptist leaning. Um, so it's a middle, it's a good middle of the road. Yeah, I mean, all of these, uh, ESV has got, uh, um, it's, uh, ESV, I, I, did, I did recommend it, but in terms of leaning, they have in what do we call the complementarian leaning of the uh, Presbyterians and Baptists. As opposed to the egalitarian. Yes, as opposed okay. to the egalitarian. Complementarian is just that uh, it's that uh, part of or that um, yeah division, if you like. I don't want to call use the word division. Let's call it that grouping in Christendom that believes in evangelical circles. I believe that many women have roles uh, that are ordained in the Word of God. Okay. Um, and this belief in that of uh, male headship in church and home and things like that. Mm. That's the complementarian view. And the egalitarian is there's no distinction in roles. Men and women can do pretty much everything. Yeah. You know, so that's those words just to make sure that we're not losing anyone. So the ESV is written from a complementarian viewpoint. And you will find yeah. certain verses of the Bible yeah, where there's a mention of those apostles. Um, it's in Romans 16 verse 7 mm-hmm. so it's greet Andronicus and Junia right my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me they are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was right mm-hmm. so that word is they are standing among the apostles right mm. and then they have put it as or they are esteemed by the apostles. By the, mm-hmm. not among the. They are not among the apostles. Because if they if they are among the apostles, then they were apostles as well. So mm-hmm. they are female apostles, mm. which is a problem when you believe in. Yeah. 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 Because see. you see, so that's an example there from the ESV, um, so that you know that it's not all about me trying to say every translation. All translations have weaknesses. Um, yeah. There's no perfect translation. Yeah. But uh, we are trying to extract the best or the yeah. good out of what, you know, so that's that. So just to run it back, my, um, my recommendations would be ESV. And uh, for those that can stomach it, KJV for the literal translations. Um, and then dynamic, NIV and NLT. And good middle of the road is the HCSB, um, which let me just get the name correct here. I think it's Holmes. It should be Holmans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this one is the yes, Holmans Christian Study Bible. It's good. Thanks for that. And the Amplified. It's yeah. good as well. I like the Amplified. Yeah, lovely. Thank you, Kuwaza. As always. Thank as you guys for having me. Bringing the heat. No, I think a lot of people probably have a much better understanding now yeah this was a bit of a heavy episode i guess yeah Yeah, if you got to the end guys well done (laughs) (laughs) well done and i'm sure you're glad you did and share with anyone else who you think would benefit from this information um but yeah that's it from us today if you have any questions feel free to send those through and we will catch you soon yeah i'm still single Oh well. Okay. Oh, okay. He's still sweet, guys. Yeah. Peace. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.